Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Enlightenedhood. I'm your host, Lena Lemos. You know, when doing a podcast about motherhood, I thought it was only appropriate that I interview my own mother. She was really a catalyst for me in terms of mindfulness and mindful living. And I thought it, that I had to pick her brain. And when I asked her to come on the podcast, she's so cute. She said, yes, but I need a list of very specific questions so I can prepare. So you'll hear us kind of going through the questions, but I really love everything she has to say. And again, she was a huge reason, you know, 20 years later for what enlightenedhood is and really just raised me to be mindful, to be present, to be grateful and to be spiritual. So here's my mommy, Lisa. We recorded this when we were in Pittsburgh and it was pouring rain and it was just such a nice little conversation we had tucked up away in our little Airbnb. So I hope you enjoy. So I just want to give everyone a visual of how we're recording this podcast right now because I think it's quite comical. We are in Pittsburgh at the moment for my sister's graduate school graduation and we are at an Airbnb that has been so wonderful. And there is this little children's room up in the top corner that has bunk beds and a bunch of toy cars and things to play with. And we are sitting on the floor with the microphone hoisted up on the bunk bed, sitting on a rug that you're supposed to play toy cars on. So everyone just use that visual throughout. <laughs> I think your father probably had one of these rugs for his uh i don't know matchbox yeah. cars or something yeah i feel like every boy i've ever known probably <laughs> had this as a child so one of the main reasons i wanted to bring you on this podcast of course is because it's about motherhood and you are my mother but i was reading shafali sabari's book conscious parenting and as i kept turning the pages i kept thinking to myself wow this is how I was raised. And I don't know if you did it. <laughs> don't make me cry. <laughs> so I don't. And I, of course, wanted to bring you on to pick your brain about this because really this is the whole foundation for enlightenedhood. And the more I realized that this was my childhood, the principles of conscious parenting, I just I needed to know more. So going off one of the biggest principles that I took away from that book is just the idea that growing up, I never felt like you wanted me to be anyone other than me. I never felt pressured to get good grades in school or to do a certain extracurricular activity. And I think you always wholeheartedly supported everything I wanted to do, no matter how crazy it was. <laughs> so I guess the first question I have, and this is might be a complicated one, is did you consciously decide that that was going to be your parenting style or it was an unconscious decision or you did it to not spite, but in as a contrast to the way that you were raised? I, I'm sure part of it was a contrast to how I was raised, but I, I, and thank you for sharing the questions ahead of time because you're right. Some of this is complex and deep, but I was thinking about it and I just always had faith um, before you were born and when you were born and when you were growing up 
that you would be an amazing person. And on that foundation, what else can I do but let you be who you're going to be? And, um, you know, and I didn't do this alone. Obviously, this was with your dad, too, and we influenced each other as we were parenting. But I just think about the wonder uh, that I felt of watching you grow and develop. And when you were a little baby, the size of your baby now, I, I sort of intuitively thought, you're going to just do great things in this life. And I got to watch it all unfold. Wow. Well, that is a lot of responsibility. <laughs> yeah. And I think in terms of being uh, conscious, uh, conscious parenting, um, we just tried to be present mm -hmm. and enjoy you and your sister and enjoy family experiences together. Even the simple daily ritual of trying to eat dinner together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the things that has affected me the most, especially in my life as just a person in the way I give to others and relate to others is that one of the most important things I think you did was be present and that I still to this day always appreciate how much you always gifted us experiences instead of material things. And I think that has been, especially for me, one of the hardest things moving to New Jersey that it has seemed that the people who I've associated myself with and come to know weren't necessarily raised that way and have a much different relationship to material things than I do just because I would much rather give someone an experience and experiences mean so much more. And as someone who is a romantic in every sense of the form, just romanticizing those experiences just seem to have such a greater impact on my life and who I am than giving, you know, the latest toy. And I think that that is a huge contrast in terms of who I am versus a lot of my peers. Mm -hmm. I think I was probably influenced somewhat by my parents, you know, in retrospect, they were so, so loving and so attentive, but it was hard for them to be affectionate. And sometimes their way of showing love might've been, um, to give money, like, especially as I'm an adult raising children, here, here's some money that that was their way to show that love. And it was hard for them to be um, as present and as um, affectionate. Mm -hmm. So going off of your parents, I know we've psychologically analyzed them a lot in terms of the way they were raised and how they were very religious, but not necessarily the type to go to church. Um, so in terms of mindfulness and being someone who is more spiritual versus the textbook Catholic, let's say, how was, how did you transform into being more mindful and spiritual versus the Catholic rituals that you were raised with? And how, and a second part to that question, did your parents necessarily understand what spirituality meant to you or was it kind of something that wasn't discussed once you realized that you didn't necessarily have the same exact views? <laughs> well, I, maybe as a classic teenager, 
I develop my own um, beliefs and values and worldviews and then thought, oh, those are different than my parents. And, you know, I just want to grow up and get out of here and, you know, go see the world and and go be my own person. But obviously I was exposed to many people and many experiences that helped me develop that spirituality along the path. So you're one of the, uh, someone that I can really talk to mindfulness about and meditation and visualization. So at what point in your life did you really discover that and start using that as part of your daily life? Well, I went, I had a friend that I worked with who was very new age spiritual and, and then, um, I went to grad school for marriage and family therapy about the same time. And I think that was the time that I discovered meditation. I think strict meditation as a you know, a daily practice or a regular practice fell away during my parenting years, but not mindfulness. We'll get to that. (laughs) Um, But then I've come back a little bit to meditation through some experiences at church. We've actually used meditation in a small group at church. So I've come back to it and you have influenced me as well. (laughs) So then let's talk about mindfulness. So That, of course, from what you just said, seems like it it has been a part. I mean, you already said being present in parenting is a huge mindful practice. So how else has it influenced your life as you became a mother and as you continued to discover the tools? Well, in a way... You know, to to be my age and look back, sometimes it's hard to discern what was I like then versus what am I doing now. And um, so so that kind of blurs together. Um, But so I'm thinking more of the more recent years as you've been my child who's an adult and some of my practices. This actually does go back to when you were a baby. I went back to singing. I went to church choir. And you know that my father was always singing. Mm -hmm. You know that. And you know that I'm always singing. Um, And to have the Wednesday night ritual of choir practice and singing on Sunday morning. And I've done some other singing experiences, even singing at some weddings. Mm -hmm. So I think... Singing is very mindful because, you know, you're in your body and trying to produce something and everything else is blocked out. So definitely um, singing and walking. Walking has turned into a, a very mindful activity for me. I do a walking commute to and from work and I had many, many more sessions of walking throughout the week. And I think it's kind of a walking meditation quite often when I'm sort of reviewing a gratitude list. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I think those are two very big things that keep me grounded and mindful. Yeah. I love that. I think one of the things 
that as I've been going through my daily rituals and interviewing all these different women about what theirs are and really trying to self-reflect, I've come to the realization almost similar to what you said is that it's hard at times to discern that you're actively doing it. And I think when I was a kid, I very much did that same thing that I would just lay in the grass and kind of have that connection to the earth and just listen to the birds. And it was very much a meditative and grounding experience, but I didn't realize until years later when I was looking back on it. And another reason why living in New Jersey with all the congestion and not as much of the peace and quiet and wide open spaces has affected me knowing that this is kind of how my whole mindfulness journey started with being present and listening to the birds and just the sun feeling the sun on my face and the way that the grass feels and I can just picture myself as a kid rolling around in the grass for hours and kind of just laying there and almost being in this days of drugged by nature if that makes sense so I like how you said you don't necessarily always know that you're doing it. So I think I probably got a lot of that from you. So I want to ask now that you, I gave you these questions and made you (laughs) kind of write down your rituals and that you've had time to reflect on them. How have they affected you? A being a mother. And now that you're an empty nester, I mean, it's just you and dad and the cat at the house (laughs) I mean how now do they serve you in that way well I think um, a meditation practice and or mindfulness um, really I say being grounded but it helps me be present it improves patience (laughs) in all kinds of situations it reduces worry yeah um, and that spinning and, you know, like trying not to sweat the small stuff. And, oh, by the way, it improves memory too, <laughs> which comes in handy in my work <laughs> and in my life. Um, and the, the whole notion of an empty nest is, I think it's really changed over time. Um, because, I'm so connected to you and your sister. We're connected daily. Mm-hmm. We we text and we call and we FaceTime and we know what's going on with minutia and bigger things. Mm-hmm. Um, and we process things together. So we're very connected on a daily basis. But I never really felt a big crunch with emptiness because... Yes, uh, the day we dropped you off at college, I thought I was so cool. I know, I know what it's like. You know, I've worked at a university for however many years at that point. I know what it's like to drop off a kid. When we drove away, I was sobbing my eyes off. I felt like my right arm had been chopped off like Games of Thrones. Um, I think I said that wrong. Game of Thrones. (laughs) Um, But... I I think I have so many blessings in my life that I feel very balanced. I have a very close relationship with my daughters, but I have a strong marriage. I have extended family members. I've had a career. I continued my career 
um, throughout your growing up years. I have friends. I have church. I have music. I have a beautiful home. So I have many aspects to my life and that all that only enhances um, my connection with you. I like that you said that because I think sometimes mindfulness seems like it has to be this huge, big, complicated thing. And we have to go through this whole period of self-discovery and realize all these um, superhuman things in our life. But really, it's all already there. And I think one of the things I love so much about mindfulness is that all the tools you have are already inside of you. They're already within you and they're all mostly in your brain and you can change your own reality just by the way you're thinking. And I love how you just listed all those things because I think way too often we always overlook all those wonderful things that we're grateful for in our life. And yeah, I think one of the things that I have taken away most in terms of um, a lot of the reading that I've done is that Wayne Dyer says that the five minutes before we go to sleep, we're the closest to our subconscious and that that is a great time to express gratitude and abundance because that's what's going to be in our subconscious. And when I started going through my list of everything I'm grateful for, it really is just those simple things. Like I have a roof over my head. I have a family who loves me and supports me. I have a career I love. I have a beautiful house that I have had the pleasure of spending hours in home goods going to decorate. And I have the luxury of doing that because of the wonderful things in my life. And I think that people who necessarily overlook those things don't realize how simple how simple it is and how transformative it is to be able to recognize those things and the effect that it can truly have on feeling balanced grateful aligned with a lot of powers of the universe mhm you know sometimes when i'm walking um my mind might might start spinning like I'm walking toward my office. Well, I have to do this, 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 and this. And one of the things that I do is I just tell myself, I don't say it out loud, but I just say, stop. Mm -hmm. And I say, wow, look at that waterfall over there. It is a beautiful walk that I have. Look at that <laughs> waterfall. Oh, look at the buds on that tree. Oh, look at that bird that just went by. And it's that simple to just tell myself, stop. Now, I have to tell myself more than once, so I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's a magic formula, but it can be that simple to just yeah, say it in your mind. Uh-huh. And another thing that I love that I've seen is instead of saying, I have to do this, saying, I get to do this. Mm -hmm. And as much as the tedious and monotonous paperwork and things we might not necessarily love doing you still it's just part of a much bigger I get to do this and have a career I love and make a difference in whether it's my life or someone else's life mm -hmm. and I, I think of it as as a blessing to God actually uh, that I think in my mind thank you for the opportunity to serve others today I like that I think that can make a huge difference 
So my last and final question is, so we can get started on our Pittsburgh sightseeing for the day, is you've had this journey of mindfulness. And I think what I love about this platform and sharing everyone's stories is that it's not always this big self-awakening and it's not always a linear growth as we grow the way that we change and self-discover is always changing and it's very permeable and did I say that word right permeable I think so oh gosh I need more coffee um (laughs) so two things first what advice would you give someone who is looking even to implement simple little tools to even change any aspect of their life to really start implementing mindfulness, what advice would you give? Because you've had a, oh my gosh, I'm almost 30 years old. And so this has been a long, long journey, uh, for you so far. So anyone at any stage in their life, what advice would you give? So I'm going to ask this question in two parts. Well, the second part is a question, but we'll get to that. Okay. So the first, <laughs> first part advice. Okay. I would say, um, just make up your mind that you're going to try it and pick something that you do every day. You might take a shower every day. You might walk every day. You might wash the dishes every day, pick something and Tell yourself that you're going to use that time to just appreciate the world around you and and or uh, count your blessings. Think of your gratitude. And, you know, some people when they're in a shower are making a list of 10 things they're grateful for Mm -hmm. instead of that loop of worry in your head. Yeah. Um, so it could be that simple. And now there are so many tools on our phone. You can get free apps for meditation. Um, Cornell has a phone number you can call for a one minute, a two minute, a three minute, four minute, five minute meditation. Do they really? Yeah. And I've, I've done it and it's, it's really neat. Who doesn't have one minute? Who doesn't have five minutes? Yeah. And between the phone and our apps, There's so many opportunities that you can try this. And the other thing I would say is find a friend or family member that appreciates this, that you can talk about it together, that Mm -hmm. this this was hard or, or, wow, this cool thing happened when I tried it. And you can grow together. I love that. So the second part to this is words of encouragement. So I like to end this podcast with your words for anyone out there who might be having a bad day or just needs a little pick-me-up, what would you say to them to give them that extra pep in their step today? (laughs) Well, I would say that we all have blessings and gifts and love, I guess, um, to help others no matter what we're going through. Um, there's other people out there and we're all in this world together to help each other. And it might be as simple as opening the door for someone when you're going into a building. But when you give to others, 
um, you, you give to yourself and just smile and you get a smile back. I love that. Have you ever heard of the 10, five rule before we go? I don't recall what that means. So 10, five rule. If you're 10 feet away from someone, you smile. If you're five feet away, you say hello. I think that's right. But I, ever since I started doing that, it's very interesting. Of course, some people don't want to engage with you and won't even look at you, especially in New York City. But the, the people who do see you smiling at them, it really, you can see their face light up when they realize, oh, hey, you're smiling at me. And it really changes the way you interact with people because this is really going on a tangent now. And I was supposed to end that on your words of encouragement, but I think, and I, and I even see myself doing it and I have to catch myself that we're so glued to our phones and our screens. And of course, as an introvert, I sometimes use it as a self-defense mechanism when I feel uncomfortable and don't want to engage with anyone standing in the corner, looking at my phone. And of course I'm saying, Oh, Hey, don't talk to me. Look at, I'm looking at my screen, but it's so crazy when you look up from your screen and realize the world that's happening around you. And then once you start smiling at people and saying hello to people, it, it creates an entirely new reality. Mm-hmm. Smiling at people and put your phone in your pocket, go outside and use your eyes and look around. This is such a beautiful time of year in this part of the country. We've got blossoms and flowers and, and pollen. And, well, sorry about the pollen <laughs> and vibrant colors, um, but enjoy the people and the world around you. Yeah. I will end this podcast on some very wise words from Hamilton, which we were jamming out to on the way here. Where they say, look around, look around how lucky we are to be alive right now. Can I say amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Enlightenhood, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why. If you would like to be part of our community, Find us on Instagram at Enlightenhood and subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm.